Hi friends, I'm Momi, your host. And I'm Hina, your other host. This is a show where we unpack our trauma through movies and television. You know, like adults. We've been best friends for 10 years, so there's a lot of trauma. Every episode, we give unfiltered advice to fictional relationships, romantic, platonic, or otherwise. You get all the satisfaction of spilling tea without any of the consequences. It's like a Tumblr fever dream, circa 2009, where we promise to keep our use of the terms ship and OTP to an absolute minimum. This is Parasocial. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, Parasites. How are you? Oh, oh yeah. That's I've been new. thinking about that. She didn't consult that. me. She just said it. <laughs> I've been thinking about that since last week. Okay. So. Parasites. Parasites. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can give us your feedback if you're not keen to it, but I just thought, you know, why wait? Yeah, true. Just like the beehive. Be a bacteria. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I guess it's technically the beehive, which is, you know. Oh, yeah. Bees, bay. Bay. Para. Para. Psidic. Psidic. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. You got me. I'm here. But you, you are blessed to know that yet again... We're, we're changing <laughs> the format. We're trying something new. Yeah, we're doing Why? it Why? Because we live to please. Yes, and we're going to keep doing it until it's perfect. Yes. We might even, this might become a sports podcast at some <laughs> right. point. Who's, who knows? <laughs> no, that, that won't change. That won't change. But now what we're going for is Momi is going to be your resident, not historian, <laughs> your resident researcher. researcher. Yeah. And I'm going to be your resident movie critic. Yeah. So we are picking the theme together. So this week we're talking about the, or sibling relationships that have a giant age gap in them and parentification and all the things that can happen in those kind of dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I will be bringing the films and TV shows that relate to, talk about, and match that topic. So I don't know what she's going to say, and she doesn't know what I'm going to bring to the table. But boy, oh boy, do I have some surprises. Yo, I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you. I was surprised by my research a little bit. Are you? Um, I I found some interesting things. And for us, it... (laughs) Keen has already started to make the drinks. Oh, another change. (laughs) The drink isn't pre-made anymore. We're going to do it with you. We're going to do it with you it's live. Like you're in the kitchen with us. Um, and so here's some of our ingredients. We have some. It's called. Sauvignon Dark- Blanc. Yes. Okay. Uh, from the brand Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Okay. We got some Santa Cruz mango lemonade. Mm-hmm. It's organic. It was like $6. Okay. So oh, It has one geez. of those like snappy, snappy tops. Can you hear oh. It? No, you couldn't oh, hear it, but. Well, you tried. Yeah. Non-GMO certified. So oh, okay. you know it's going to be tasty. I we like also it. have uh, some yerba mate. Mm. I actually love yerba, yerba mate so much. Yeah, I think it's they tasty, but it, it's not a um, replacement for coffee for me like it is for some oh. people. I like it, but it's not coffee. Got it. For me, it can definitely replace coffee, and I feel better when I drink it. It's just more expensive. Yeah. So it's not a sustainable thing. Sure. If I'm feeling spicy. When I go to Publix, I, I'll grab one. We also have some classic Lacroix, Lacroix, Lacroix. You know, some tangerine. I never know water. how to pronounce it. Lacroix. I have a I have a good friend who uh, went took French in college, and I still don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> well, he's also not fluent in French. <laughs> so true, true. Uh, but like you know. And last but not least, we have some wicked weed, which is 
Fresh some like pressed. a mango pineapple guava nom, 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 nom. wheat ale and it's quite tasty i discovered it at a local bar and i've been drinking them ever since okay and of course we have two glasses with, with a moderate amount of ice yep all right i think that's a good mix we're gonna be adding one drink at a time we're gonna trade off yeah but uh, I'm really interested to know, like, what's some things that you learned in therapy recently? Yeah, we, we're going we're gonna to start every conversation with a primer. So how, what better <laughs> to loosen your, right. your puckers up, but with some talk about therapy. Gosh, do you have one? While I, while I, I'm going to start with some white wine as a base. Okay, you're going to start with white wine? Mm-hmm. Okay. My therapist and I talked about creating space for yourself. Mm-hmm that's outside of like what is already your space so like for example making new space making new spaces essentially and finding an area in my house outside of my room to kind of claim to use to like be in to do work in uh so that i don't feel like i am cloistered away yeah trapped hidden hidden like a little rapunzel like a little Rapunzel, yeah. And like the the thing is, is that for our job, right? I'm on my computer a lot. I'm I feel the inclination to stay in my room and work from my PC, twenty four seven, and it's kind of hard to like have a a good mental headspace when you're just in a dark. I have the darkest and also echoiest room in the house. Yeah, and so it's <laughs> just, like it's like uh if you took like cave echoes in darkness and then you added some depression (laughs) hello hi hey welcome to my room you're like the badgers in avatar pretty much i am the badgers blind (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah that's me i'm the i'm the mole badgers or whatever they call them in avatar yeah i think it's a good idea yeah so i've been trying to we have another like den area so i've been trying to work in there as much as possible and work out on the porch yeah we have i love that create new space yeah that's a good one well go ahead and pick your ingredient i'm gonna do the yerba mate because i could use some okay a little pick me up so we have a solid base of white wine some yerba oh wow yeah you do okay well you know you need good foundation to build a house yes um in therapy i have been really for the past year working about working about working Working. on Mm -hmm. relinquishing responsibility for things that are not mine uh and it's a process and boy is it not easy ironically being resentful towards people about doing too much is not enough to make you stop (laughs) uh that's interesting and yeah ironically so much of like that that problem comes from exactly what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just been trying to express my emotions and mm. more importantly, to not save people from bad feelings. So I've been trying to, if you fucked up or if you, if I'm pissed off at you or if I'm angry or if I'm whatever, I'm working on just saying it. Instead of being like, oh, it's okay. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not even, it's, I sound like a pushover. I'm not a pushover. No, I just she, yeah, don't want it's to. It's definitely more from an energy of like, I would rather. I'll take this on. You can't yeah. handle it. I know I can fix it. Right. My way. 
yeah. and, efi- and more efficiently than whatever the hell you're doing. Right. So let me just do it for you. I'll save you the bad feelings right. to save myself time and energy as opposed yeah. to just like allowing. Watch, watching people just kind of flounder. And right. Like or allowing people and... to learn. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm working on. Speaking of that, I'm going to add some some wicked weed. Okay. Some wicked some wicked wicked weed fresh pressed on top of the wine in Yerba. Wait, is the brand fresh pressed? Or the is drink it... is fresh pressed. Okay. The brand. brewing company okay. is wicked weed. Okay, got it. Got it. Brewing God, company. we're really at the top here. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I mean, we really went in with that wine. Okay. Are we get do we want to leave it here? I think we leave else it there. Is open. <laughs> oh okay. well, well, just a splash do the, of juice. I thought you were gonna do that next, which is why. Okay, I'll I wasn't do a little concerned. splash of mango. Uh, lemonade. Lemonade. Yep. Okay, there. And I okay. think that's. It's I didn't fine. bring we'll, a mixer. We'll work our way through drinking the rest of these. Is it gross if I use my pen? Hmm. As a little mixing straw. I'm not gonna judge you, but also. Ah uh, well. <laughs> I, you're gonna just ruin your pen. <laughs> you could probably use my pen. No. Okay. If I'm going to use a pen to mix a drink, it has to be my own. <laughs> All right. Well, I was just thinking because mine's pretty sealed in comparison. Okay. Sure. I was overthinking it. It's fine. Okay. Well, this is delicious. So. Oh, okay. Well, let me. Yeah. <laughs> let her try first. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah? Oh, that kind of slaps. Okay. It's really good. All right. Okay. Look at us go. And we're off. And we're off. So, today, talking about sibling relationships w- with a large age gap. What do I mean by large? <laughs> um, like, girth. Girth with, with. Kind of veiny. Length. I mean. Yeah. Bigger the better. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you started this. I was five. Okay. What do we mean by big? By large age gap. We mean um, seven years or more. Okay. Most commonly, you're in the 10 to 15 year abouts. Okay. It really depends on the family, right? Um, on how these things essentially shake out and how the symptoms of these kinds of relationships are. But they can be they can be more than 10, 15 years. They can be 20 years apart. Like there really isn't a huge rule. I'm just mostly going to be talking about large age gaps anywhere from 10 to 15 years Mm-hmm. Around there. Okay. Got it. Um, at least that's what I was researching. And that's what I was finding. Let's put it that way. That makes sense. I mean, it's a, that's like a generation. Seven years is a generation. Yeah, yeah. So um, some people also refer to these as like multi-generational families. Mm. But sometimes people can think that means Like gram- grandparents. grandma, dad, yeah, yeah. son. Which, yes, but in the terms of like siblings, we more mean the youngest sibling to the oldest. What's that age gap? Yeah. So, in... what What's the age gap between you and your brothers? 12 years. Okay. for but f- Well, 12 years for one, and then 14 for the other. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm seven years for one, almost 10 years to yeah. the other two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're fitting the mold. Okay. So, these are some pros and cons to, like... Long, long age gaps for siblings. Pros and cons, like, as a parent or, like, like having as a, like children. A, yeah, it's like, well, I'm going to put it into, like, context because okay. this is very much, a lot of my research was all very much from the lens of a parent. Okay. Or, like, parents thinking about ch- another child or, like, 
You know what I mean? Like here's 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 what I'm saying. I don't think that most people set out to have children that far apart. No. I think you can have like I think you can you have a relationship and maybe you intentionally get married or maybe you intentionally get pregnant the second time. But before you ever had kids, I don't think that's anybody's plan plan. No, it's all very much from the lens of if you are a parent who already has a kid that's kind of older. Yeah. And you're now now you're pregnant. Yeah. Or uh you want to have another child mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out what the what the deal is. Yeah. What the effects would be ahead of time. Or parents who are, you know, remarried. There's another kid on the way. You're right. right, right you have right. stepchildren or divorce you already exists. have. Yeah. Divorce exists. And it yeah. also plays a huge part in this as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm interested so, about this list. Okay, go ahead. So here's some, we'll start with the good stuff. <laughs> okay. Objectively good. We, okay. I don't know. Who's to say? <laughs> these are kind of funny. I, I chose these because they were kind of comical and like how these websites are like, presenting this whole yeah. idea your older child will likely be at school and you can get lots of one-on-one time with your newborn okay okay that but that, that assumes that you're a stay-at-home home parent right though. yeah which is why i find this interesting i'm like okay. when was this article written yeah guess the date <laughs> what like 89 no are you, am i guessing a year you're guessing a year okay like 95 no. Are you 25, ready? 2005. No. More recent. 20. <laughs> set, 2007. Before the crash. <laughs> no. 2020. 2018. Oh my god. Oh my god. Who? Kim K? <laughs> oh, isn't it great? Okay, so the gap. Another thing is that the gap you mean will mean you won't feel like you've been constantly shattered with young babies for years. I don't even know shattered <laughs> what that means. You know you don't have to have kids, right? Like, you don't it's, it's to an be option, shattered. Queen. It's an option. Uh, you're. <laughs> at, this is I, I the feel one. like this person is saying like your pussy is gonna have time to tighten up. This was written by a dude. That's. <laughs> I know yeah, it. For sure. Your eldest child can help out when the baby arrives. Blech, that's why I have so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> Same. The dynamic can be lovely. The older child looking after the younger one. You just want a free babysitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. It. That's what you're saying. This is such a, like, from the parent lens. If this was from, like, the sibling lens, the pros would not be here. No. These pros would not exist. Jealousy and resentment might be less of an issue. What world are you living in? I think that actually makes a lot of sense in that like the things that they care about are just not going to be not they're not going to align very often. Sure, so, I do think well I don't I think jealousy is fair. I yeah. think resentment is a little bit of a stretch. In the sense of like well, we're assuming that hmm. there's a lot of assumptions <laughs> happening. But anyway, okay. I digress. Yeah. Some cons. I found interesting in comparison to the pros. Right. You might have to refresh your baby knowledge since you haven't had one in a while. Okay, that's kind of weak. Gaps over five years are associated with pregnancy and birth problems. Interesting. Really? Not just because you're likely to be an older mum. Jesus Christ. This is just like a shit on women article. 
This was you old hag. You yeah, want some like, more babies? pretty much. I was I was a little. I was I, when I found this article, I was like, I'm gonna bring this up because I don't agree with it. Jesus and I just Christ, think it's so interesting. I'm interested to see if there's any like uh, medical merit to risk to pregnancy risks with a gap. To me, that's far more about the health of the woman. Yeah, than... I think. Well, what I found in my other research is that. If it does happen without things, without external forces like divorce or circumstance, right? And it is more of like a based on the on the woman's fertility. It's usually that some women just have a harder time getting pregnant, and it can oh, be they've trying. been trying to get. They've married, been trying to get pregnant. Not <laughs> I keep saying married. <laughs> no, 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 no. They've yeah. been trying to get pregnant, and, and it just, just takes difficult. a really long time. Yeah, and that could be one of the more less in, impactful ways of there being an age gap. Yeah, I've never, I've never tried to get pregnant before, but I, and I'm, this might happen to me one day, but I'm just thinking of trying to get pregnant for five years. And I, I wonder if, I don't know if I'm going to have that kind of stamina. Well, I also think too, like, like there isn't a lot of like, there isn't a lot of conversation or even talk about when about like women just being aware of their own fertility or like looking into it or kind of like you know what i mean it's not really something that like even in our 20s when maybe it might be a good time to be checking it because it's like when we're most quote-unquote fertile right no one really does that right or like well there's certainly a lot of shame associated with like or the default is just a belief that it's easy for all women to get pregnant and if it's not easy for you to get pregnant and there's something flawed right with you yeah it's a it's a it's an uncomfortable conversation that i feel like doesn't need to be uncomfortable oh no yeah you know what i mean so this last con is just i feel like this was a bit of a throwaway and that like your children may be into different things so not as close as they're much older sure yeah yeah sure (laughs) yeah obviously how also how is that a con like (laughs) they're allowed to have their own interests separate from each other uh, I mean, I, I get, I get that there could be, I mean, to be fair, I don't think that any of these are pros and cons. I just think it's a byproduct of the reality of that age difference, right? Like if mm. you want a family, I can, I can see that not being attractive to a f- couple that wants a very, they want a, f- a style of family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then there's nothing wrong with that. Doesn't mean that it would be bad or good. But you're not going to necessarily get to create memories that maybe people have in their heads of, I want them to be in the same, like, kid soccer team, and I want them to, we can go to camp together, we can whatever. It's not going to feel the same if your kids aren't around the same age. And if that's something that is really important to you for whatever reason, go do that. Yeah. (laughs) Good for you, boo. (laughs) Another big thing is, like, the for the older child, right, most of them were, like, only child for a while they were like the only child for a while me me and so throwing them into this situation in which they are now not the center of everybody's world absolutely unacceptable and i still am not over it (laughs) yo i had i was lucky enough to be the only granddaughter and have all four grandparents and i was the first grandchild for one set and i was the first granddaughter for the other and I was living the fucking dream. Mm-hmm. I was living the dream. And then my two brothers came along. And suddenly 
it all it all shattered. <laughs> they ruined it. I'm just kidding. I love them. I mean, you didn't even really live with them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, you didn't I mean, have to be a full time sister. I didn't. I didn't. It was it was a very awkward problems for completely separate reasons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Are we gonna talk about that in the show? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Like it. I mean, this is the topic. If I was gonna ever sure. talk about it, this is it. Sure. Mm. But yeah, so for me, it was I didn't really have to take care of them full time. Yeah. So I guess what I mean by like it shattered that being everyone's center of, the, of attention was mm-hmm. because I wasn't around them. Yeah. So it's not like I could be involved in the in in whatever was going on with them in their day to day. Yeah. So I felt disconnected from it, and in that disconnection. There, people like the family was just spending more time with them because they were younger, mm. and I was in school. I was like, "Well, there's stuff to do with little kids. Right. They have their, they want to do activities. They want to go to sports. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's also like a parent culture which gives your, not just your parents, but anybody's parents, like it, it creates a social structure for them." Yes. And so they're taking kids to play dates so that they can hang out with the parents and do right. stuff with the parents too. Yeah. You know, that's not happening once you're a teenager. No. Unless your parents were already close. Like they're not, you're not all going to your friend's house and then mom and dad are downstairs barbecuing. Right. That stops when you're little. Right. Yeah. So I think in that sense, that's what like was the most shocking in that mm. everyone's coming to my sporting events or like coming to like do stuff with me and it all just abruptly stopped and it all just kind of you're like like, aging out you're not cute anymore (laughs) right i was like i'm fucking adorable what do you mean yeah yeah Mm, yeah i get that yeah and i mean the divorce didn't lend itself it wasn't lending me any favors in that regard either no you know what i mean because i was with my mom and not with my dad and the boys were from my dad. I feel like you need to get some context because you're talking to me and I know the story. Oh, that's right. But this that's is all right. a little okay. confusing. All right. Give us so, the Cliff, Cliff Notes. Notes version. Ready? Are, are we ready? I was 12. My dad, fuck it. My dad cheated on my mom mm-hmm. with my new, with my stepmom. They yes. decided to get divorced. My stepmom was pregnant when they decided to get divorced. That was like the, the catalyst for the whole thing. Yeah. We don't know what would have happened if my dad made different choices, but here we are. So Scandal. I had a little brother on the way. Yes. My mom and dad were fought a lot over custody of me. I ended up with my mom and I was, I was her only child. But then my dad then moved uh, across town, had my little brother. Two years later, my second little brother shows up. And now I, I have visitation and I go there every every other weekend and i stay with them for like three or four days and then come back are we all caught up parasites there it is that was excellent thank you thank i really had to keep eye contact with you to make sure i didn't get distracted and go off point <laughs> yeah. it took a lot okay so adhd yeah but uh, yeah but that's a very that's kind of what I, I wanted you to explain because that's a very particular kind of dynamic right mm-hmm. the, the age gap is obviously still very much present but it's being aided by all of this other stuff. Right. And like the thing is, is that my dad just expected. My dad had seven brothers and sisters. Right. Right. So he was used to having a t- having siblings, having this very like hierarch- hierarchical like 
English is hard. But like having that structure. Right. Right. You take care. The, the older ones take care of the little ones. Yeah. It's reciprocal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here like, it's only ever been me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's and not so intuitive. he just. Yeah, he just expected me to kind of use my, as as they used to call it, my motherly instincts to kind of, <laughs> as a child, let's just think this through, as a child, they're like, where's your natural Mama. mothering instincts? Mama. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know, I didn't ask for these kids. I got my period last year, so <laughs> right. sorry, I don't know. I'm a little slow, you know, yeah. to this to this game right now. And so yeah, they were always like kind of like weirdly disappointed that, that I wasn't you didn't like... gung-ho. Mm. Well, I mean, it's already out there. Do you think that there that there was a part of it that's like if you were to really get along with them and have no issues and you guys just like meshed and it was this like beautiful sibling relationship that that would in some ways take away or mitigate some of their shame for having created Ooh. such an unconventional situation it, oh. or that like it would have it would have supported the idea or the thought that like this was meant to be, this is the way it should have been, like, our family just came together, blah, 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 like, yeah, you know? Yeah, well, it felt like, for me, it felt like they were pushing me to do it, or pushing me to have, like, this overtly, like, positive and close relationship with my brothers, not for the sake of having a relationship with them. It always just felt like, like, they were pushing me to do it so to make themselves feel better. Don't make it weird. Don't... Don't make it weird. Yeah. Make it, it all... Oh, my gosh. It's, right. Everybody but get like, along. This is the, the... The struggle with that is that, like, I wasn't only thrust into a family dynamic with two younger brothers. I was mm-hmm. thrust into one with two older stepbrothers as well. Right. So, I had to also deal with these two other guys telling me what to do. Right. When I Who felt you like didn't they grow had up with. No, right. When I felt like had no right to yeah sure you know what i mean i was like i don't know who you are you're like, not my dad yeah chill yeah bro. and they're like well, we're your brothers and i'm like mm. Mm. yeah and everybody in this situation is like is still i mean it doesn't matter because i have i have half siblings and i don't see them as like i don't know i just they're my brothers yeah but it is interesting where you have all these groups of siblings most of which are not full mm-hmm. like Trying to interact with each other, not having the same mom and the same dad. Oh, my God. So one parent has, like, there's, like, all these different loyalties and yeah, all these different crazy. responsibilities at play. And, like, I, I mean, now I consider all four of them my brothers yeah. without a doubt. But, like, at the time, sure, I was like, I don't know who you are. This is a little weird. I don't know what you expect from me, but I'm not listening to what you have to say unless it's coming from my dad. Yeah, for sure. And that's the classic, like, step slash half sibling oh my god yeah go to line we right? were we would we were fighting like cats and dogs yeah just anarchy in the house because like i just was i just didn't want to i was holding my ground yeah so i mean that's another problem like I'm, I'm sure other families have as too have as well as you know yeah how do you blend families how do you i i <laughs> I don't know if I should say this because I didn't end up doing it, but whatever. One of the shows that I was going to bring up, which I'm not going to now. Okay. As a little freebie, was going to be Life with Derek. 
But okay. it's like a Disney show that I didn't really watch, but I've been watching a lot of video essays on, and I know that Ka- I I see their I can see their faces in my head. If you look them up, you'll okay. Casey and De- Life with Derek, sorry, and Casey and Derek, they're like these oldie step siblings in this blended family, and they go to high school together, but then they have weird sexual tension <laughs> with each other on oh, a Jesus Disney Christ. Channel show. This is <laughs> and there is an entire industry that is now like. <laughs> well, and they and the actors like perpetuated on social media. There's like fan fiction of of the siblings, but they also it's so overt. Like, watch, go on YouTube and watch a compilation of like sexual tension between Casey and Derek. It is ungodly. <laughs> it, it is yo horrendous. Disney. What are you doing? It's a lot. That sounds go look like it up. Lot. I'm not making it up. It's weird. Oh my god. I don't know. I think I'll just need more alcohol to look that up. Well, that's why I didn't want to talk about it in this show. But yeah. I'm giving you a little teaser. Okay, okay, okay. All right, let's talk about parentification. Okay. Let's yeah, move on. Something that I have and that happened to me and I'm still yes. dealing with. So this is where Hina's life story comes in. <laughs> so let's just define. Defined? Okay, define. That's good too. Defined? Anemone. Okay. Okay. Parentification is the process of role reversal whereby a child is obligated to act as a parent to their own parent or sibling. In extreme cases, the child is used to fill the void of the alienating, 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 <laughs> of the pa- Keep going, keep going. God damn it. Keep going. Oh my God. The you're alienated? Alienated parents' emotional life. Look okay. Look at me go. Look at me go. Okay, two distinct types of parentification have been identified technically. Instrumental parentification and emotional parentification. Why is English so hard today? (laughs) I've taken three sips of this drink. Okay, Okay. so what's the instrumental? It involves a child completing physical tasks for the family, such as looking after a sick relative, paying bills, interpreting foreign language, providing assistance to younger siblings that would normally be provided by the parent. I'd imagine that this is really talking about, not that there can't be a merge, I'd imagine, but mm-hmm. this for sure is going to come in to play in families that just straight up, even with the best parents in the world, right, are growing up in poverty, yes. are growing up with, or in an intergenerational household where there's aging grandparents, maybe even aging parents, depending on on the, the family structure. Yes. Immigrants... Yes. Um, single parents. Yeah. So there, I think it's important to just outline that like while parentification can be really damaging to kids, hello, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't always come from an irresponsible shitty parent or yes. it's both and. It's both and. Yeah. And there are, there's usually more external, like outside of the family circumstances Mm -hmm. and factors that instrumental parentification takes place with right like as a result of right 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 right. um so then the emotional side of that is when a child or adolescent must take on the role of confidant or mediator between parents or family members and this is where i got surprised in my research in that Mm -hmm. like i was the emotional Mm -hmm. version of this for both my for my mom and my dad Mm mm-hmm so that was where I was like, <laughs> look at this. Just explaining Something to talk about in therapy next week. Oh, a- good, good, good. Yeah. So these are some, there's also narcissistic parentification, Ugh. which is when a, a child is forced to take on the parent's idealized projection 
So this is where, like, it's those situations where your parent wants you. I always you. wanted you to be a doctor. Yeah, I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be a lawyer. Or I was a cop. You should be a cop. That kind of. Right. Marry I want a, you to, a handsome, rich guy. Yeah. I want you to either, A, do the things that I never got to do. Mm-hmm. Or do exactly what I did. Right. Yeah. Um, I think both an example of, like, scarcity parenting. Yes. Right? Like. Something's going to happen if you don't blah, you better hurry up and et cetera. Yeah. If you don't X, you're never going to Y. The time is now. You don't mm-hmm. have time to figure it out. Like, yes, very here now. Very much doomsday so. type of. Oh, yeah. Parenting. It's always about like survival. Yeah. And not thriving. Yes. Right. So it's growing as much as thriving you might, to- not, might not happen. Right. It might yeah. not be possible. It's not for sure. So at the very least, at least just survive. like. Do the bare minimum. Yeah. And I can't do the bare minimum. You have to do it. Yeah. And the, some of the problem, some of the ways that this is like perpetuated over time, even as a child becomes more aware of it is like them putting the child in the position where like, well, if you don't do this, you know, if you don't do this, then think of like, Think of what will happen. Like, I won't be able to do this and I've done everything for you. It's putting the res- the burden of yeah. future. Or like your, your, your brother won't eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or your brother won't get to school if you don't do this. Like, you owe it to us. Yeah, you're of. responsible for the future of this family right. and your actions directly impact the potential success yes. or failure of yes. us. Despite being a child yourself, right. a little note. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off the wicked weed. Do a little splash of wine this time. Ooh! And then I'm gonna get the the mango lemonade. Are you seeing here? And uh, we're gonna do a little splash of that. Wait, can you splash them in mine too? With the mango. Let's go. Okay, we're gonna do a little splashy splash. A little splash splash. And then we're gonna go sparkling water. Okay. I like it. Where I like where it's at. I like yeah. where it's going. So another kind of like some other things with parentification is that there can, in extreme cases, there can be what has been called a kind of disembodiment or narcissistic wound that threatens one's basic self-identity. So essentially, like the the child then loses their sense of self and like their sense of self is now warped by this um, excessive responsibility over someone else. So okay. now they feel like it's their purpose. It's like who they are. Whatever they're doing. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, I see you smiling. <laughs> um, like whatever, like whatever care they're providing, whatever slack they're picking up mm-hmm. is now a part of who they are. And it's what they're supposed to be doing in their life mm-hmm. versus <laughs> and that they come like their needs need to be met, but only in order to take care of everyone else's. Good fucking God. Dun, da, da, da. Okay. I just need, Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So. so <laughs> mommy gave you a little version of her life story. And this is my concise life story. Let's hear it. I grew up in an intergenerational household with grandparents, uncle, auntie, mom. And I was also the only child, the oldest grandchild and the only granddaughter For the first seven years, I was the only grandchild. And then my mom met my stepdad. Oh, my dad, dad is sucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you should know. And he, he sucks. He sucks. 
And so he was never around. She got in a new relationship. I had a brother when I was seven. And then when I was nine, I had twin brothers. And then all of us were living in this five bedroom house together on top of each other. My whole family hated my stepdad because he also sucked. And we went off on our own. And so it was me, my mom, my three younger brothers, and my mom sometimes was a wreck she's a wonderful woman i love her a lot she probably listens to this podcast she's fantastic sometimes she was a little bit of a wreck (laughs) and (laughs) i had to pick up the slack emotionally a lot of the discipline for my brother was was coming from me my mom had to travel for work and she had to work a lot she worked for herself and so i did a lot of homework discipline driving them to school making lunches being a parent yeah and that impacted my personality greatly. And yes. I also had a family that even when I was young, I was celebrated for being adult-like. I wasn't celebrated for being childlike. Yeah. And so even when I didn't have anybody to actively take care of, I was very much expected to take care of myself. Not because they didn't love me or they didn't want to do it, but because like it was almost like I'm not raising a child. I'm raising the adult that you're going to be. Right. And so I didn't have like kid versions of things when I was young. Like kids in a lot of families will like, you'll, your parents are eating something and like you get the chicken nuggets and the mashed potatoes. Or when you go out to a restaurant and you get the kids meal and your parents get regular food. Right. I didn't have those kind of things when I was young. Like I just did what the adults were doing. I Mm, ate what the adults mm -hmm. ate. I didn't have kid stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's like impacted my personality. And what was that last thing that you were saying about like it it meshes with their personality? Yeah. I don't think that my... Or it just makes it so that you you then, you're just convinced that like this is what you're good at and this is what you should that do. That is true. That is absolutely how I am. Like, yeah. I, as you well know, like that's yes. the role that I occupy really wherever I am. If I'm yeah. in a group of people, I'm going to make the decisions if we're doing dinner i'm gonna cook if we're you know what i mean and it's so unconscious and it's so normal i don't think i'm doing that it just feels like it makes the most sense and i think because that's i think it's that whole energy that makes everyone around you just be like okay you know what i mean we don't we don't challenge that we don't like well the, the one of the most important things to me in life is being competent yeah like straight up, it's the one of the most important things in my life. I, I just I feel like to me it's like being able to drive. I yeah. think for for a lot of people, they're like, here's a few things that you need to be able to do, right? Like you need to know how to write a check, drive a car, whatever. Yeah. I just think that my list for things that are not nice to haves but are necessities. My list of necessities is so long. Yeah. I don't. I'm not seeing it like. Yeah, it's. It, I'm not like, oh, I just want to be good at a bunch of stuff. I think what I think is a necessity is a necessity to me to be competent. It's just not an option to ever have to, to rely on other people. Yeah. And that's like so different than someone who's just like independent. Yes. In that like, I crave my independence. But yeah. I crave my independence because I want to escape from the feeling that I have none. <laughs> Not because I feel this incessant need to just succeed and be good at everything and not need anyone ever. Yeah. It's just more of like I crave my independence or being able to be autonomous so that I can create space between me and other people. It's like a different energy. Yeah. No, totally. Well, Yours is is very uncompromising. No. Mine is more based out of like 
desperation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I think my theory is that, like, the rising tide raises all boats. And so the more independent that I am, the more capable I am, the more value I can provide for other people so that they can also be more independent. Yeah. And yeah. obviously that speaks to why is that my responsibility to make everybody yes. else more, Oh my gosh. you know, but I, I definitely was raised in this assumption that if you can do it, you should do it. Mm. If I can step in, if I can do something, if I can whatever, that it's just like you do what needs to be done. It, I was raised like a little soldier. Yeah, you were. It's not about the desire. It's not about what you want. It's about getting it done. Yeah. And now I go to therapy. <laughs> and I had none of that. <laughs> so we're complete opposites. <laughs> and this is why we Are you still singing the song? I don't know why. Don't talk. I, you gave me alcohol. Okay. What did you expect? Okay, so. What else you got? I think I think that that's like about it. There are a couple of stories that I thought were really interesting. Okay. There's, I'm not going to name names, obviously, but. Name, names, name, names. names. There was, like, some families that, like, had kids. Well, so, like, the the dad remarried. Mm-hmm. Also, like, in my research, it's a lot of the dad remarrying. Probably in life, it's a lot of the dad yeah, remarrying. Yeah, it's, it's a it lot not? of the dad. We can agree with that. We can agree on that. And I was like, huh, all yeah. right. And it's like, I didn't find statistics because there is not a lot of research on these kinds of family dynamics. Okay. There just isn't. So finding statistics or, like, actual scientific research impossible for me anyway okay but i was finding a lot of articles so like the la times in an article new york times in an article huffington post like there's all these different articles that have come out about these different family dynamics at different times with old kids and young kids old kids young kids okay and like in almost all of the articles it's all there's at least one family where it was because the dad remarried mm, wow. he... <laughs> yeah and so so one of these is there's two siblings. They are like 35 and 30. 35 and 30. Yeah. Okay. And then now there are two younger siblings that are seven and five. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We have a friend that recently had a younger sibling, though, that is, she's 33. And yeah. she has like a one-year-old brother. What? From her dad. Who's what? in the seventies? Bruh, <laughs> bruh. Now that's wild. Now, yeah. the what? So like that's the dad such a is big like... gap that like I think that's cute. I could just be like cool auntie. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like we're not siblings. I think I think that's the other part is well, like that. I think that's what was the the interesting thing about these articles is that like the they're kind of towing around the fact that like oh well they're siblings but they're like more like uncles but then they're like yeah. But then, like, but it's, like, they're kind of still expecting them to, like, be siblings. Oh, you can't. But, like, what do, no. Like, my first cousins, I have two first cousins. Well, on my mom's side. On my dad's side, I probably have a hundred. <laughs> but on my mom's <laughs> side, I have two. And one girl, one boy, and I'm 15 years and 19 years older than them. Yeah. And, like, I am their cousin. Yeah. But you're auntie. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, I, 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 I I'm same, cousin enough. I have because, a similar age gap. You know, between my cousins and my, and me. They don't call me auntie, but I'm not just your cousin. Like we're not peers. Yeah, we're not peers. <laughs> you're 
and, three feet um, tall. Yeah, so like that family dynamic was crazy in that like there was in in the sense of like the the kids that are like already adults now mm-hmm. are seeing their dad show up for this new family dynamic mm. in a way he never showed up for them. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like they they were just kind of talking about how hard that how hard that is to watch and the amount of effort the amount of effort he's willing to put in now yeah. versus when, when they, they were, were kids and how the way that they some of them coped with it was just focusing on the relationship with their new siblings and mm-hmm. trying to just create their own memories with them mm. without really trying to think about that. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I get that. <laughs> I get it. <sighs> ah, it's fine. We go to therapy. But yeah, so okay. I think this is a good segue because okay. I, I'm, I've said what I need oh, to Oh, well, say. great. Because I sure have some movies and TV shows for you. Okay. Well, I have three movies and I have one TV show. I will say that all of them involve a dead parent. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> you don't... <laughs> Stop laughing. I, I'm just saying I did notice a theme while we were... I didn't really notice while I was well, putting this list together. I'm laughing because I know you didn't do that on purpose. Oh, of course not. And that's why I find it funny. This is not it, the dead parent episode. <laughs> okay, but... Well, it is the dead parent episode, okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, I'm going to start with one that you know. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Lilo and Nani Pelikai from Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> oh my god. I had I literally was was like going through like Disney Plus the other day and yeah. I was like kind of like I looked at Di- at Lilo and Stitch and I was like I wonder if he's going to choose that. Well, yes. Here we are. We all know the movie, so I'm not going to give you a synopsis. Ohana means family, mm-hmm. obviously. So, at 19, Nani has to sacrifice so much for yeah. Lilo and their parents die in a car crash with bad weather and because of that Right, Nani can't go to college because she needs yep. to keep working to support Lilo. So she al- is also limited by jobs that she can get with her education level and her age and her experience. Yes. Which is already a stressful Very situation stressful. Yep. regardless of your life circumstances. And that also means that she doesn't have time for her friends and for romantic relationships, which is why David is always asking her out a million yep. times. And so her whole focus, her whole life is about Lilo, which also means that she doesn't even have the time or capacity to really grieve for her parents in the way that she wants to. And she has so many more memories than Lilo does of their parents, but she really is always focused on how it's impacting Lilo because Lilo is a child and does not have the capacity to think about anybody but herself. Yeah, exactly. She can't. And if you, the scene where... Stitch comes in and he's playing Elvis out of his mouth while his finger is on the record player. If you look closely in her room, she has all of these surfing trophies that are from like semi recently. Yeah. Basically letting you know that like she had prospects. Like she had had options. She had a life that was, that was going to pan out for her. Right. And now she doesn't. And it's clear, based on how Mr. Bubbles is going to take Lilo into foster care, that they don't have anybody else. So it's either Nunny steps up or Lilo ends up in foster care. And I think 
Nani even knows. That's what she says when when Lilo gets put in the car and she's yelling and Mr. Bubbles is holding her back. What she tells him is that like I'm the only one that understands her. This kind of like morbid curiosity that yeah. Lilo has. Likely because her parents are dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you can kind of see how that... Yeah, she's like kind of yeah. twisted and dark. Yeah. And, you know, she has her fucking voodoo little her spoons in the pickle jar. Yeah. And she's a weird kid because she her is. parents died. died. And she doesn't know how to process that trauma. And I think Nani knows that people are going to take it the wrong way. Right. Like, that's just how Lilo is. Like, that's how she processes. There's nothing wrong with her. Right. And she has to deal with that stress. And I think that pressure that Nani feels is really emblematic of, or in even their dynamic, how they're still very sister-like. Yeah. I think it even outlines, they probably had really fucking good parents that were probably around a lot and supported them a lot, which is why this like parent, this parentified role that Nani has with Lilo just is not natural. Yeah, it's not like, how they always they're work. They're constantly fighting against it. Right. And Lilo's trying, well, Lilo's fighting against it more than Nunny because Nunny knows it's a necessity. But it's clearly something that they didn't have before. Right, exactly. Because, and Lilo's uncomfortable with it. They had very present parents, clearly, yeah. which makes it all the more sad. Yeah. And I think Nunny is, is dealing with this guilt of feeling like she can't provide her siblings with the life that her parents provided to her. Yeah. And I think the part that I connect with is if you, it's hard to try to fill a role. And like, I didn't grow up with a dad. My brothers grew up with more of a dad than I did, but he's still, I mean, he doesn't even live in the same state as them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's hard to be something that you've never experienced. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's different. Because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I was, I was cared for, to be clear. Yeah. But I didn't have a classic form of parenting. I'll just say yeah. that. And so it's really hard to provide that to kids when I didn't have it. Mm. And... You know, like, we have conversations now that, you know, I obviously don't live with them anymore about, like, you know, what was some of, like, I always feel like you, they they told me that they always feel like I was mad at them when I was young. Right. And I've tried to say, like, in some ways, like, I'm, I'm sorry that they had that experience. I'm not sorry for the way that I was in that, like, I only could give what I could give. Yeah. I was a kid. So there's not a world in which I think it's fair to say, well, I am I am sorry, but I don't think there's a world in which it would have happened any differently than it did. Right. Like, I because only had, you had to. Yeah. You had to give so much of yourself over. I had no adult tools. Right. So I don't know how much differently it would have gone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. And I think on the reverse, right? Like for me, because like while with my younger brother's. There was a, there was, we did, he, they did have parents, right? Right. Like my dad and um, my stepmom, I call her auntie, but like yeah. my dad and my auntie, like they were still around, obviously. Yeah. So I wasn't forced to step up in the way that you did. Yeah. But I was still expected to have more of a parenting role mm-hmm. because I was so much older. Right. But in the way that you didn't have those tools, I also didn't, even with parents, mm-hmm. because I was never expected to step up in those ways. 
Right. I wasn't given those tools. No one, I was never expected to step up beyond what a child would be expected to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I I still, I think up until, like, the divorce happened. Yeah. I was very close with all of the adults in my life. Yeah. And as an only child, it is common for, like, only like only childs to, like, really connect with the adults in their life and not really have a lot of connections with their peers. Right. And that was absolutely present. But the adults that I was connecting with never expected me to, to like... To be an adult. To be an adult. I was still a child right. in their presence. Yeah. Right? So I think that's, like, where when I was asked for more... I was like, what you more? You didn't even have the tools to give You more. didn't even give, you didn't give me an opportunity to figure what, out, figure out what more was. Like, yeah. you didn't give me those tools. So how am I supposed to? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I never had to change a diaper. I didn't have to like, you know what I mean? Like, up until they arrived. Yeah. Then it was like, you don't know how to change a diaper? No, I don't actually. Yeah. I'm not born with that knowledge. Right. By the way, like, just because I'm a, a girl and you think that, like, yeah. I should have this, like, motherly instinct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I and I did have the tools, right? But I just could not not feel the way I did. Right. Yeah. Like, that's in a, a level of, of consciousness and nuance that just was not available to me right. at and 15. Right. I mean, that's completely fair, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? All right. What's the second movie? Okay. Now I'm like, which one do I want to bring up next? Let's go with similar dynamic. Okay. No. Okay. In this one, there is a just a father that has passed away. This is Onward. Oh, my God. You've seen it, right? Yes. Okay. So we have so Ian and Barley from Onward. Yep. Um as a refresher, right? Onward takes place in this mythical world that the magic has kind of drained from it mm-hmm. in light of technological advancements. And their dad passed away when Ian was still in the womb. So Ian never had to have a relationship with his dad, although Barley did. This one, I don't think it's like a seven year gap, but I'm okay. going to position that there are certain situations in which a smaller age gap becomes a much larger age gap. Mm, you know what I okay. mean? Because he grew up with a dad for the first, let's say, four years of his life, which, you know, once you have a schism, like a father dying and then a new baby coming into the world, that level of responsibility that that little toddler feels is going to be so much different and greater than a normal four-year-old that has a yeah. a, a sibling born. Right. It ages you. It ages you quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. So I think it's a lot bigger in a lot of ways. And Barley is kind of the, well, while Ian is this awkward, self-conscious teenager, Barley is this gamer, myth like mythology type nerd. Yeah. And you see him take on this fatherly role in Ian's life throughout the entire movie, even in, the, in small things. So he's the one that's interested in magic and mythology. Yeah. But then Ian's the one that ends up being able to have magic abilities. And he's right. never jealous of him. He's never envious of him. He's only excited. He wants yeah. him to meet his dad. He even was willing to sacrifice seeing his dad again. Right. Um, to make sure that Ian got a chance. His brother had that chance, right? Right. And for those of you that aren't familiar, they find this spell that might bring their dad back for 24 hours, but it stops halfway through. And so then their dad becomes just this pair of pants. It's, he's only halfway. He's only halfway manifested. Like yeah. And they kind of have this a series of guffaws that 
you know, with this pair of pants that represents their dad. And at the end, Ian makes this list of all the things that he wants to do with his dad. And he's kind of sad that he doesn't get to do it because his dad is only this pair of pants and not a fully realized person. And it says, I want to play catch with my dad, take a walk, have a heart to heart, laugh together, have a driving lessons and share my life with him. And he realizes at the end that his brother had done all of those things with him. Yep. Had filled that role for him his entire life. And when it is time to finally see the full form of his dad, they only have a few minutes left. And he allows his older brother to have that moment with his dad. Because in some ways, Ian in, got a dad yeah. in his older brother. Yeah. And so he wants to give his brother the chance to do that. Ugh. So it's kind of like a... It's not an inverse of the Nani and Lilo situation. But... Yeah, it's different, but it's... yeah. That movie, oh my god, I cried so hard. It's so good. It's so good. It's such a, like, the hard part is uh, Cinema Therapy does an episode on Onward, which I highly recommend. It's a YouTube channel called Cinema Therapy. Mm -hmm. And they do such a good video on this, but one of them makes this comment that, you know, humans need love. Yeah. But so often we get caught up with needing love from a very specific person. Oh, yeah. We just think that that's the only per- way we can get it. Yeah. Yeah. We get we zero in on it. Yeah. But that's not, that's not how Even it works. Even when you may never receive it. Like, we'd rather hyperfixate on who's not giving it to us. Right. Than to... Explore our... Yeah. Yeah. Our own yeah. community, your chosen family, if you will. Yeah. That makes yeah. complete sense. Okay. All right. Give me, give, give me another one. I want to go to the one that you don't know, probably. Have you watched the TV show Party of Five? No. Okay. Damn. I was really hoping I'd like that you did know it. Yeah, that I would know it and surprise you. To be fair, this show first aired in 1995. Mm. So you weren't watching this kind of show. I wasn't. I was was in the world. Sorry, not 95, 94. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. Okay. So you weren't even around. No, I was not alive. But the show went on for six seasons. Okay. They did make a 2020 reboot, which is like a diversity version of this show. Because spoiler mm. alert, this cast is entirely white. Yeah, makes They sense. made a diversity version of the show. But the hard part is, like, unlike, like, Charmed has mm-hmm. a reboot, which is, I mean, frankly, it's the brown version of Charmed. Yeah. Which I'm not even going to get into right now. But... Charmed is about something that you could mimic. Party of Five is a slice of life show. So the show right. is about the people. So it's it's like you don't need to reboot it. You can just make another show. Right. Yeah. There's no reason for you to like reboot you don't it. reboot the Huxtables. Okay. I remember this show, actually. Okay. I remember as a kid, I remember this being on TV. I can't tell you what it's about. And I don't know what happened. I just remember their faces. Okay. And well, <laughs> I printed out. This oh my god! You- <laughs> yes. Okay. Give me all the resources. I'm holding up um, a black and white printed uh, of their family portrait in Give season me. one and <laughs> season six. So, oh my god! Party of Five is a story of the five Salinger siblings following the death of their parents in a car accident. Very Nunny and Lilo. Mm. And 
in order to survive, they basically have to take responsibility of their family restaurant, Salinger's. Yep. And the show just follows them and their lives and growing up and some of the long-term effects that they experience because of the death of their parents. And so we have Matthew Fox as hey. Charlie. He's 24 years old. You may also remember him as Jack from Lost. We have Scott Wolf as Bailey. He's 16. You may remember him from the show Everwood and the new Nancy Drew, which I really actually like. It's really good. It is a, is it a CW show? I don't think it's a CW show. I think it's like an ABC show. It's really good. It's like kind of dark and magical. Interesting. Um, Yeah, it's like Supernatural Nancy Drew. It's really good. Okay. I really like it. Okay, I guess I'll watch it. I really like it. Okay. Already has two seasons. There is Neve Campbell as Julia. She's yes. 15. Okay. I mean, Neve Campbell is an icon. Oh you will remember her from The Craft and Scream. Craft then we have so good. Lacey Shabert as Claudia, who you know as Gretchen Wieners. Gretchen Wieners! <laughs> Yo! Very fetch. And, Very and fetch. I read in her Wikipedia page 88 Hallmark movies. She was in Christian Mingle, so which is not just an app or a website. It is it's, also a movie. It's a Hallmark movie. Okay, and then we have Baby Owen, who is one. So we okay. are far exceeding the yeah, seven-year yeah, yeah. gap. There is an age gap, that's for sure. Humongous. At the most, 23 years. Damn. So huge, huge age gap. And that affects the family a lot. And you see the... Each of the siblings struggling with what their role is in the family now. Because the baby is so young, at different times, Charlie is taking care of Owen, the one that's one years old when his parents die. But then other points, we have Bailey taking care of him and wanting to be a dad and then talking about custody. And then you have Claudia, who goes from, you know, by the end of the series, she's 18 and she's thinking about going to Juilliard. And... Each of them is trying to figure out what value they bring to the family Mm -hmm. because they're all so attached to their roles. Like Claudia, I think for a a huge portion of the time is like kind of dedicated to her role as being the baby. And then you have Bailey, who I think in a lot of ways is like was close enough to Charlie that he like wants to be an adult and he's in that teenage mode and he's really judgmental about how Charlie chooses to lead the family. Yeah. Um, and everyone is is trying to make something out of nothing. And to me, I think in a lot of ways, that is how I felt when I was young. Uh-huh. That makes a lot of sense. Because I was, I was expected to be very mature as a child. Yeah. Just, you know, even when I was, when I was an only child, I was expected to be very mature and put together. And smart. But there was something about like having such a shitty dad and then having such a shitty stepdad and, you know, like needing to provide this thing to these kids that I don't know how to do and I have to do it. Like, my mom has to work. She has to make money. Right. There's no one else to do it. There is nobody else. And there, I think it was that pressure, right? Which is, right. which is maybe even different than like some people just expect their their the child to fill a role because that's what's right. And for me, that's what was necessary. Yeah, it's a it's a different it's a different way of going about it. 
Oh, I mean, I have to. Right. And I knew yeah. that. I had to. Which, like, I I did it, no doubt. But right. I think it, it... I absorbed the lessons of that time in a very particular way because yeah. I wasn't being taught a lesson that I was, like, resentful of my parents for, right? Like, no, go take care of your siblings. Go watch out for your right. for them, like, because it's the right thing to do. I think you think about that in a certain way. It's very yeah, different. I, I mean, on the opposite end of that, right? Like, that's how I felt mm. in that, like, I felt there, there felt, like, no necessity for me to be taking such a large role in their lives the way I was. Yeah. Especially since I was already feeling alienated from that family from the get-go because of the situation, Mm -hmm. right? And so me being asked or, like, thrust into situations where I needed to step up in those ways didn't mean I wouldn't do it, but it felt like I was doing it because it was convenient for someone else, not because it was necessary. Mm. And I think in, in... in that particular thing, it was more from the state, well, they're trying to teach me how to be responsible for other people or how to like, right. like this is your place as a sister. It was like this an experiment. Is... Right. And it's like, I'm like, I was not raised this way. Like no one asked this of me mm-hmm. and the way you're not asking me, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're not teaching me how you expect me to do this. You're just telling me to go do it and figure it out. Yeah. Which is like, I'm not, how am I supposed to feel like, gratified in this you know Mm. what i mean how am i supposed to feel good about this thing that i'm doing all i feel is frustration and resentment well i'd imagine that they didn't represent the greatest thing to you right your siblings yeah you know i'm sure to some degree they represented a lot of pain yeah they did and i had to work really hard even as a kid to not blame them for that well and that's like not even your processing to like you you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. a lot to ask of yourself to be responsible for. Right. But I think I found myself trying to do it anyway. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of, there is a lot of frustration even in that. Yeah. In that, like, I'm a kid. I only have so many tools at my disposal right. to really cope with this. But I'm actively trying not to hold these kids responsible for my circumstance and mm-hmm. my position. But it's hard not to let that bleed in yeah you know what i mean so there's a lot of just like high expectations but like un just inability to like yeah meet them that was happening i feel that i totally feel that i want to end on a fun one okay jane and tess from 27 dresses mm-hmm. a yes oh, I love another i don't think seven year age gap right but again we have the death of a parent which you know my favorite thing i love so here's the thing she has a paper it's typed out she has notes she's been staring at this for at least a couple of days yeah so i that's why i find it so funny that the 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 link between all of them of the death parent well i i could go into an entire conversation about heteronormativity (laughs) in hollywood and how there is an expectation that that pain or remarriage or whatever comes after some profound schism that you can't just not want to be married anymore oh my gosh um, anyway oh yeah that's I'm, another I'm that's not a whole go other there, episode actually but the point is <laughs> okay all right sorry that sorry. as we remember jane nichols is the classic always a bridesmaid never a bride times 27 times and her younger sister tess has always been like 
a flake, essentially. Yeah. And while Jane is absolutely in love with George, her mediocre, <laughs> but yo, the fa- I just I like I get it. He's he's a humanitarian. No. He's white. <laughs> <laughs> yo, like I rewatched this movie. I think a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. but it was just like. I was drunk and it was at night and it was a moment. Yeah. But like, I just saw like, in George so many what? choices. Like, just like, you the know, choices you, that you've made? In the sense of like, but why? I wish you could see my face. <laughs> I know. Um, here's the thing Would I fuck George? Absolutely. That, um, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> he's, that's my he's problem. He's like an outdoorsy humanitarian dog lover granola motherfucker and yeah he's a piece of uh white bread jane is on his ass jane fucking is so about george then little old flighty tess comes into town they lock eyes at this fucking work party and they're just on each other's shit from the second they meet yeah and tess pretends to basically like everything that george likes which means that she ends up completely lying about herself yo Yes. Uh, and so Jane trying to be the so Jane trying to be the overfunctioner slash parentified child because yes. her her mom died and she had to take care and like assume the role of mother with Tess mm-hmm. doesn't want to say anything so she doesn't say that she's heartbroken because she's in love with George she doesn't right. critique Tess for lying her ass off to fuck this guy right. she doesn't say anything she's just a wet ass noodle just She's a, she's a doormat essentially. She just becomes a doormat, and you can tell that like that's kind of not her vibe in other areas of her life. She's an overachiever. She's an overachiever in other areas, and like the only times, the only two times in which you see her being like such a fucking pushover, yeah, is with Tess and with George, because George absolutely. Takes but don't her- you think that that's the premise of the movie? Is that she is a pushover that uses her overachievement as a way to guard her like i think that tess believes not tess i think that jane believes that if i overachieve enough Mm -hmm. people will respect me uh uh, in that like yeah yeah yeah. she's trying to use it as her a and neurotic but she has no boundaries i mean that's the whole thing is that she's the bridesmaid in 27 dresses it opens with her being the bridesmaid at a wedding at two weddings on the same night and driving back and forth, renting a taxi for the night, being everything for everybody. Right. But I think she's at, she even said like, well, I think all these women will be there for me at some point, which at, in the end they did. But I think she believes that like, I Her, if she can, if she can just do enough, if she can just tick off enough boxes, be the best, and that then everyone will respect her, and she'll have no problem. She or she'll never actually have to hold the line herself. Right, people yeah. will be doing it for her, correct, because of how mm, amazing yes. and respectable right. that she is. But it all comes to a head with Jane and Tess when Tess, who gets very quickly engaged to George, yeah, ends up cutting up her mother's wedding dress to use pieces of it in her wedding dress and then she gives the scraps to jane and tells her that well when you get married maybe you can use these pieces and jane goes off off. 
and Tess is like, I'm your sister. Like, you wouldn't ruin my life. Because Oh, she says, I'm going to tell George. You better fucking tell him because you're a little right. liar. And she yeah. says, no, you're not. I'm your sister. Dude. You never do that to me. Right. And Jane is like, yesterday you were my sister. But today, today. you're just some bitch that cut up my mother's wedding dress. And you're like, and come on, Jane. Let's go, Jane. <laughs> um, but then that night at the rehearsal dinner, she shows she's in charge of the slideshow. And so she uses it as an opportunity to get back at Tess and shows all these photos that basically prove that Tess's persona with George is a fake. Right. Right. Her at a rib eating contest because she told George that she's a vegetarian. She absolutely is not. She's told him that she is a animal lover and a dog lover. Um, She is not. (laughs) No, she's not. And a bunch of other things. And so. She really goes in. She goes in, but then at the end, you hear Tess tell her that, like, I was actually pretending to be you with George because I look up to you so much and I respect you so much and you just stop letting people walk all over you and you just stop telling everybody yes or thinking that never saying no to people is a badge of honor. Right. And at the end, she gets Kevin, the guy, and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, which is hotter, so... Oh my god. So much better. Yeah. Um everything works out for Jane. But the whole point though is yeah. there is this she's a perfect example of someone that has made that a part of their personality. Yeah. To be a doer, to, to be, be a parent, a doer, yeah. to be a solver. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to escape it. It is. Especially when As my therapist well knows. Right, and it's yeah. It's hard for me to hmm. Well, anyway. My therapist and I will have so much to talk about. Don't spit your drink out. <laughs> I'm trying not to. <laughs> but yeah, I think something that's come up, now that we're talking about therapists, but something that has come up with us has been like me realizing how much I feel like I missed an opportunity when I was younger, which isn't my fault, but missed an opportunity to kind of step up for my brother's in those particular ways that I was being asked to, to therefore mm. learn how to be bet more independent and more capable later in life. That that's a missed opportunity? Well, I think, well, that's why I'm in therapy. Is that like, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. It's not. <laughs> I Like, I didn't have the, like, it's not my fault that I wasn't able to, like, get to that place. Like, that's... Well, to me, I think the biggest thing is, like, why... There was a missed opportunity on your parents' part to not teach you to be self-sustained or to to have them wait for children to be involved as like, oh, perfect. Now we can teach you how to... Right. I'm saying that like the, the issue with that thought process is that I am taking on that responsibility as if it was my responsibility to just know all those things and be mm. able to do them versus laying that at their feet and be and just letting it go and allowing myself to learn it in my own way now in whatever way I need. It's like mm, that you like still are associating it with your siblings. And like, yeah, what like I'm happened? still yeah, it's just still something that like I'm taking responsibility for that I don't need to. Oh. It's but weird. but connected with your siblings though? In the sense of like now I'm at I'm I moved away from them obviously right yeah. I don't live in the same place but I think when I was living there for a brief period of time uh-huh and I was 
interacting with them more than I ever had Mm -hmm. before. It was, it just felt like there was a, there's the age gap was felt, but because I hadn't had all of those years of us being in such close proximity to where we could figure out our own dynamic, it felt Mm -hmm. like I was being transported back to when I was 14 Mm -hmm. in interacting with them. Yeah. Versus I'm an adult now. Right. Like, I have boundaries. I have expectations of, like... No, no, that makes sense. I think I'm trying to... What's the missed opportunity? In that, that like... you could have what? That I could have been... If I was around more, if or, or if I was able to, like, have figured out how to be their, their older sister mm. earlier in life and had figured out how to communicate with them or, like maintain boundaries with them or whatever it was i would be able to more effectively do that now oh i don't know it's like convoluted and weird we're on a tangent but anyway yeah okay that's interesting but like yeah i think like this like this whole topic this week just made me like think about that okay and i was anyway my therapist and i have so much to work through okay um What's our segment? So, uh, we are going to be... <laughs> the theme of this show... Oh, my God. ...is that we try as many new things as we need to to get the right pieces... Right. ...to we're fit figure it in out the right holes in the puzzle. But what we're thinking now is that we're trying to add value to you. All you ladies at home, you're swiping. You're swiping. You want to go on a first date. You want it to be different than all the dates that you've Bless. been on in the last six months. How do you do that? Maybe one of the ways that you do it is you think of some date ideas. You make it fun. You make it interesting. Yeah. That is how I snagged my you're boyfriend of three games, years. You're doing exactly as I presented a date game for okay. my for my um, first date with my current boyfriend on Hinge. And so what we're gonna do is that we're gonna try out all of these games with each other. And if you like them, borrow it. You don't even need to credit us. Yep. Because we didn't create it. It's from the internet. It's from the internet. And so. if they suck, you can just have fun with us. Okay. This is the emoji game. I'd imagine that this is a game that's really best leveraged on a second, third, fourth date. Yeah. It's not a... I, I wouldn't do it the first It's the not first a blind date. Yeah. You gotta kind of know them. You kind of know them a little bit. Yeah. And so what happens is you guess the top five or top 10 or top seven, what we're doing this time is it's top five to 10 mm-hmm. emojis that the other person uses. Yeah. And you write them down and you trade the list with the other person and okay. you see how correct you were. Okay. Okay. Right? So what we've done is we've created our lists ahead of time. We have them on our handy dandy note cards and I think for our sake, obviously, we'll be including you in the game. And so I'm going to be reading. How should we do this? I'm Mm. going to. I'm going to hand you my card. Okay. And I have a list of things that I think that Moby that Momi uses very often. Okay. Yep. And you're going to give me your phone. So Momi's going to give me. Yep. Hold on, okay. Okay. And we're going to see what lines up. So what Momi is reading is the list of emojis that I've created, and I am looking through her phone so she cannot lie. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. okay, Okay. ready? You said fire. 
Damn it. Not on here. Okay, okay. Dancing Salsa Girl? No. Fuck. Yeah, I don't use that one. Uh, face Palm? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is that? Purple what? Oh, Purple Devil. Purple on here. Devil? <laughs> on here. Jesus Christ. Heart? Yes. Um, What's fuck? I was gonna say blue heart specifically, and then I was like, I just want to be general, but it is a blue. Heart. It is the blue heart. Yeah, that's my signature heart. One hundred. Damn it! I was so <laughs> certain about that. <laughs> okay, uh, woman with bunny ears. Oh no! Yeah, the two ladies, the in the in the little black oh, leotards. Oh yo, honestly, <laughs> I was I was like literally so close to putting that on your list. On mine? Yeah, because I know you use that too. Fuck! I forgot about it. Okay. Confetti cannon? Nope. Fuck! I know it's not on there. Shrug emoji? No! No. <laughs> I thought I was going to be so much better at this game. I thought you were too. I think you're projecting some of these because I know you use these. <laughs> I, no. No? You don't use you Well, don't I don't know. Why am ears? I telling you? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's not on my list, so I guess it doesn't matter. All okay. right. Let me see your phone. All right. I'm interested. Okay. This is what Momi says about me. All right. The dancing woman, yes. 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 Salsa dancing girl, my fave. Yeah, you love that one. Prayer hands? Yes. Is it on there? <laughs> yes. Wow, damn. Let's go. Thumbs up? Yes. Fuck me. <laughs> that's my That's my professional one. That's my professional <laughs> little thumbs up. You do, you do get Crying, laughing? Up. No, fuck, I was yes. so sure. I was so sure about that one. Queen crown? No, god yeah, damn it. I don't use that one often. Oh, People man. use that with me, but... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, let's not. Let's not get into that okay. shit. Okay, celebration? What is that? Oh, it's the one, uh, never, it's the one we use when, it's the little party hat emoji with the little. Okay, that's what I meant when I said the confetti cannon. Oh, guy. this, oh, okay. I don't know if it's on mine. You can No, check. it's not. Okay, well. Wink? Yep. <laughs> the, the emoji face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one, yes. And tongue. Damn, I was really sure about the tongue. No, damn, you think I'm so scandalous. Well, <laughs> I it's, it's because we do eh, a lot, and I was like, fair enough. you do this in text form? Also, to be not. fair, I live with my boyfriend, so I'm not really sending scandalous texts anymore at all, this ever, is true. actually. Just... Actually, at all. Because, you know, he's right there. Yeah, so, this is true. What am I going to do? Yeah. Send him a text? What a concept that is. What's that um, like? Wow. wow. Well, that okay. was fun. I'm really shocked that, well, you did better than me. I'm shocked that I did, but uh, I'm proud that I did did as well ah damn i really was i was talking i'm I'm very much a here's here's the ones that i know off the top of my head that are like everyday use it's gonna be the the blue heart the prayer hands and the the laughing one but it's like the two the two eyes are like the arrows yeah that one whatever the fuck that one's called fuck well thank you for joining us parasites Thank you so much. Yeah. If you use the game, let us know. Send us an email at parasocialangst at gmail.com. Yes. Or send us a DM at parasocialangst on all your favorite platforms. Yes. Um, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Where are you going? You don't leave at the end of a Marvel movie. Before you do anything else, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr at parasocialangst. You can tell us what you think about the episode, write Hina love letters. What can I say? I'm a Leo. I run on praise and adoration. But you can send Momi your original fanfiction. She lives for that shit. I do live for that shit. But until next time. Have a snack. Call your therapist. As bona fide professionals, we have to give you the disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only.
Not to mention that everything we say on this show is a reflection of our own personal views and does not necessarily reflect the views of Daydreamer Network. Precisely. For example, we think Buffy should have ended up with Angel. Daydreamer might be on Team Spike. That's not our business. Listen at your own risk. <laughs>